What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we're going to be taking a look at bowl games. We're going to talk a little bit about the signing day that just came came out, the first of two signing days for the 2022 recruiting class. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my grievance uh, for Coach of the Year. Uh, Jim Harbaugh was named the AP coach of the year and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well if you love the podcast make sure to follow like subscribe follow us wherever you get your podcast apple podcast google podcast spotify um at the start of the new year we're probably going to start putting these back up on youtube um so follow us there as well as we start getting uh everything i'm going to try to do kind of a rebrand as well on social media. I, I am going to get off social media for the most part, at least my personal accounts. Um, but I'm, I'm probably going to do a little bit more um, with Facebook and, and Twitter in terms of uh, an actual professional uh, handle for those. So be on the lookout for those. Let me, let me get right into the bowl games. And by right in, I mean, I, I need to have a little bit of space to rant here. Did you know that there is a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? It is the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. And people wonder why players opt out of these games. Why the heck is there a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? There's nothing, this has nothing to do with Jimmy Kimmel. I, I don't mind him. He's kind of weird. But why on earth? There are 44 bowl games this year. 44. And and if if I hear someone say, oh, bowl games, it's the best time of the year. Teams get to, you know, get another uh, 15 weeks or 15 sessions of practice. And we get to see them play one more time. And it's a good break for the players. Do you think the players want to go to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? Like, no. it's absurd you have the r and l carriers new orleans bowl you have uh bowl games the famous idaho potato bowl do they play for potatoes like seriously this is absurd and so as we talk about this as we look at bowl games and, and look at bowl picks i i was trying to do some research and i i researched these games a little bit but I'm going to give you my general sense of how I think about bowl games and picking bowl games, because the reality is a lot about bowl games is, is not actually about what you're putting on the field. And it's more about momentum. It's more about motivation. And so who is actually going to be motivated by going to the Myrtle beach bowl, you know, or the, the tropical smoothie cafe Frisco bowl. Like it's crazy. So you have to, you have to realize that a lot of bowl games is not actually about the matchup itself. It's about who's motivated to be there, who has momentum. And that that's a big deal um, because there are going to be games where on paper, you look at them and you're like, Oh, well, obviously this team should win. But in reality, they're not motivated to be there. They're not taking them seriously. 
Perfect example. And it was a New Year's Six game. So it was a game that you'd think both teams would be excited about. It was Florida, Oklahoma last year. Florida was probably the was probably a little better than Oklahoma, but Florida had umpteen guys sit out and they weren't motivated at all. I think the last time that Florida played, uh, one of their players threw a shoe and got a personal foul penalty because of it and lost the game against LSU. And they're sitting there thumping their chest saying they should have been in the, in the playoff. Well, they weren't motivated. So of course they got their, the doors blown off because they didn't want to be there. That's, that's not to take anything away from Oklahoma, but it's just, it's the reality. It's, it's the reality of this. Um, and so how do coaching changes affect this? How does player opt-outs uh, impact this? And so what I'm going to do, I, I, I'm going to talk about the first week's worth of games here. So you've got uh, up until Christmas day, I'm going to talk about up to Georgia state ball state in the tax act camellia bowl, because who wants, you know, a third rate tax preparer to sp sponsor your bowl game. I don't, I don't understand. Just expand the playoffs. It'd be the same thing. It, anyway, let's talk about bowl games, uh, bowl picks. Um, I'm, these are going to be my picks. I'm, I'm doing the, uh, the ESPN bowl madness bowl extravaganza, whatever they call it. I don't know what it's called, um, but I'm doing that. And these are going to be my picks, picks there. Uh, first game Friday, December 17th. At 12 p.m. on ESPN, we have Middle Tennessee against Toledo. Middle Tennessee six and six. Toledo seven and five. Toledo's a ten-point favorite. Uh, it is the Bahamas Bowl, so that's a nice consolation. They do get to go to the Bahamas. That's that's pretty nice. Um, you know, Middle Tennessee is. At, I'm always a little skeptical during bowl games to pick against them because middle Tennessee often comes in with a, a, a decent chip on their shoulder. Uh, they I feel like they've won some big games over the years, but I, I think Toledo in the Mac has been pretty good. Uh, they have a good running back in Kobach uh, ran for 1,274 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, I think they have the better offense. And I think they have the better lines. And so I, I actually like Toledo to win and to cover in this game. Um, so I, I, I have Toledo. I'm not going to pick score. I'm not going to pick the specific scores just because I don't know enough about these teams to actually pick, but I am going to pick the, whether they'll cover or not. So I've got Toledo covering the spread over 10 points. Uh, I think it'll be, I, I think it'll, they'll probably win by two to three touchdowns. Uh, so I've got Toledo, uh, rocketing up over middle Tennessee uh, at 6 PM on ESPN two, you have Northern Illinois uh, who's nine and four in the Mac against coastal Carolina, who's 10 and two uh, coastal Carolina is a 10 and a half point favorite in the tail greeter cure bowl. Uh, this is a tough one to pick for me. Cause I, I don't trust Northern Illinois. But I, I also, I think Northern Illinois has the better run game. You know, uh, they have a, a, a running back in Ducker who is uh, over a thousand yards. 
so I, I, I like, I, I think Northern Illinois might be able to keep this closer. I've got Coastal Carolina winning, but I think, I, I don't think they will cover the spread. Um, I, I think Coastal Carolina wins maybe by a touchdown. I think a lot of people will pick Coastal Carolina to cover the spread because of the hype around them. But I, I like Coastal Carolina to win, but not, not big. I think it'll be closer uh, than that line. So I've got Northern Illinois covering. On Saturday, December 18th, at 11 a.m. on ESPN, you have the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Maybe I should just make a podcast making fun of all the names of these bowl games. Uh, let me know. Let me know if you think that'd be a good idea. Um, maybe I'm just doing it right now. You know, App State is a three-point favorite in this game. And I I I'm picking Western Kentucky to outright win. I'm going against a little bit of conventional wisdom because I think App State is probably a little bit better from a physical standpoint. They obviously have a better running game. Western Kentucky doesn't run the ball. They, they are a pass-happy team. But they kept it, you know, Western Kentucky kept it close against Michigan State. Uh, I think they, they played Purdue. Uh, and, they you know, they were pretty close against Purdue. Um, App State kept it close against Miami. You know, they, I think they lost by two points to Miami, but Miami's not, hasn't been very good. And so I, Bailey Zapp is a really good quarterback. I mean, he threw for 56 touchdowns, over 5,500 yards. They have a receiver in Stearns who is really, really good. Uh, 1,718 yards, 14 touchdowns. I, I've got Western Kentucky with the upset. Uh, I think they went out right. Um, so that's at 11 a.m. At 2.15, you have the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. I didn't even know there was a thing called PUBG Mobile. Uh, it's UTEP, 7-5, and five, playing Fresno State, who's 9-3. and three. Fresno State is 11.5-point favorite. Uh, I think Fresno State uh, covers easily here. Um, you know, Fresno State, you know, was really competitive against power five teams. UTEP, I, I just don't, I don't think they're, they're very good. Fresno state, I think covers easily here at three 30 on ABC. You have UAB uh, eight and four playing number 13 BYU in the radiance technologies independence bowl. Uh, this is one of those games. The line is seven, which you know, it's, it's, it's one of those lines where you're like, huh, that's, that's interesting because BYU is, has been, is 10 and two against a pretty good schedule. And they've beaten, I think four or five different PAC 12 teams. You know, they beat USC. They, they beat uh, Utah. So now granted they beat Utah before they made the quarterback switch, but I have a tough time seeing BYU not covering here, but then I, you know, it, this is one of the questions where I have, okay, what about motivation? You know, are they going to be motivated to play UAB, you know, when the, BYU is the number 13 team in the country? I, I, I think BYU 
gets it done. I don't think there's going to be a ton of opt-outs because I don't think they honestly have a lot of guys that will make be a, a top three round pick in the NFL draft. So I I've got BYU covering, um, but it is interesting that odds makers made this a seven point line. I would have thought it would have been more like 10 or 11 points. So yeah, very interesting to me. Um, I've got, but I've got BYU covering uh, also on the on the 18th you have liberty playing eastern michigan in the lending tree bowl uh so maybe the coaches can get a refinance after this game liberty is a nine and a half point favorite both both teams are seven and five um i I see eastern michigan and my immediate thought is well liberty should just crush them but Liberty has, has been, it's a tough, it's tough for me to kind of know how to pick this game because quite honestly, Liberty, their firepower is good. Malik Willis is, is a really good, good player. I also don't know if he's going to play. Um, you know, he, he had a lot of hype going into the season as maybe one of the underrated quarterback quarterback prospects. I forget which game it was, but Liberty got trounced by some team and it was weird, but they had the same amount of yardage, but they turned the ball over six times. And so I think, I think if Liberty plays their game, I think it's, I think it's an easy cover. Um, the, the line's nine and a half points. I think Liberty probably covers that, but if Liberty's sloppy, like I can see Eastern Michigan covering and winning outright. I, I'm going to pick Liberty just because I, I think Willis is going to be too much running and throwing for, uh, for Eastern Michigan. That's at 545 on ESPN. 730 ABC, uh, Utah State 10 and 3 against Oregon State 7 and 5. Uh, and this is the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Presented by Stifle. I might. I, I think my biggest question is: Jimmy Kimmel going to be there? Maybe I don't know. That'd be really sad if he's not there and he's sponsoring a bowl game. That that would tell you everything you need to know about how ridiculous that there is a Jimmy Kimmel bowl. Um, Oregon State's a seven-point favorite. Oregon State's been, you know, quietly. Decent. It's, it's been a good turnaround year for, for Oregon State. They have a good running back in B.J. Baylor. Uh, Utah State, though, you know, I, I, I was going into this thing and I'd pick Oregon State, but Utah State's been quietly pretty good. Um, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure they beat San Diego State in their, uh, in their conference championship game. Um, and San Diego state is like actually pretty good. Yeah. They, I mean, they trounced, they trounced San Diego state 48 to, or 46 to 13. Um, you know, Utah state has a really weird blip where they lost to Wyoming 44 to 17. Um, I, I think Man, this is a tough one to pick for me. Um, I'm going to pick Oregon State to win. I think 
Oregon State's going to be able to run the ball. I think they're more physical. I'm going to pick them to win. Uh, I don't. I I actually don't think they cover though. I've I've got Utah State covering, so that's my pick there. Oregon State wins, but Utah State covers. I think it'll be a competitive game. Might be one of the more competitive games uh, and intriguing games in this initial slate. Good, good for you, Jimmy Kimmel. Glad that you got a good bowl game. Uh, 9.15 p.m. on ESPN, number 23, Louisiana. They're 12-1 and one, uh, against Marshall, 7-5. and five. Uh, Louisiana, it's, it's a five-point line. Marshall is, you know, has the, the top offensive playmakers in every single stat, but Louisiana is a more defensive-minded team. Dan, uh, not Dan Lanning. Uh, Billy Napier is the coach. He's leaving to go to Florida. I don't think he's coaching in the bowl game. So that that's a concern. I, I still think five points is, is not enough. And Louisiana is, I think a better, is a better overall team than Marshall. I think they went, you know, it's a, it's essentially a home game for Louisiana too. So it, it, there is a question about motivation but I've got Louisiana easily covering. I think five points is too low. Um, I think Louisiana beats Marshall. I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, Monday, December 20th at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN, we have the Myrtle Beach Bowl, 6-6 six and six Old Dominion. Tulsa, also 6-6. Six and six. Yay? <laughs> Who wants to watch this game? Um, Tulsa is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they win. I don't think they cover that. I don't think either of these teams are that good, but I think Tulsa wins. Tulsa was pretty good, uh, you know, in terms of keeping games close against Oklahoma state and Ohio state. Brynn is a, is a decent passer. So I I've got Tulsa, but I don't think they cover uh, nine and a half points is too much. I think. So I, I think it's probably more like a touchdown game or a field goal game uh, on Tuesday, December 21st. We at 3:30 p.m. on ESPN, you have Kent State seven and six versus Wyoming six and six. Um, Wyoming is a three-point favorite. This is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, so they're playing for all the potatoes. Uh, I've got I've got Kent State. Um, Kent State is the I, th- I don't know if they were the MAC champion, but I think they were they were one of the better teams in the MAC. Uh, let me let me look here. Let me actually give you a little bit of analysis here instead of just assuming. I think Kent, Kent State was the MAC champion. I don't know. Um, yeah, let me let me look here for a minute. This might influence my pick. Um, while that's loading, uh, let me just give you a little bit of stat here. Stats here. So Kent State has the better has the more prominent running back in Cooper. He has a thousand eighty yards. Uh, Cephas, their receiver, has over a thousand yards. Crum, their quarterback, uh, also uh, is is the better the better of the two. Yeah, they they uh, they were not the MAC champion. They they lost in the MAC championship against Northern Illinois. Um, so they're seven and six. They were seven and five heading into that that MAC championship game. Wyoming is weird because they beat Utah State by twenty seven. And that's a good win. But then they lost to Hawaii. They lost to San Jose State. 
They lost to Boise State. Like it, it, man, both these teams are weird. Um, and Kent State's defense is terrible, but Wyoming's offense isn't great. So I, oh man, I, I'll pick Kent State. This is one of those. I I I don't know if either of these teams are going to be excited to be there. Um, I, I honestly don't know why you'd want to play a bowl game in Boise, Idaho. It's cold. It's, it, it's on the blue field, I think. So good for them, but e, I just don't, I've got Kent state. Uh, I think their offense probably gets it done there. Um, 7 30 PM. I think this is an intriguing matchup. It's the tropical smoothie cafe Frisco bowl. Not intriguing because of the name, but because of the teams. You have Texas San Antonio 12 and 1 versus number 24 San Diego State 11 and 2. Texas San Antonio is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, and that's who I'm picking. I, you know, both these teams are good. Uh, I think Texas San Antonio has the better offense. I think they have a bit more momentum. San Diego State, I think coming off a loss. Uh, I think that's just a tough, it's it's a tough ask. So I've got Texas San Antonio. Uh, winning that game and covering Wednesday, December 22nd, you have Missouri six and six against army eight and four. It's the Lockheed Martin arms armed forces bowl. Army is a three and a half point favorite. And I just, I think army is probably motivated to be there. Um, You know, they are, it's their bowl game essentially. Um, Missouri is probably not motivated to be there. So I've got army winning and covering uh, three and a half point spread. I think they, they get it done. I think, you know, ball control, their offense is really good. Um, they kept it really, really competitive with wake forest earlier this season. Um, you know, they, they were competitive. They were a little competitive with Wisconsin. So I, I think army wins straight up covers the spread Thursday. December 23rd, 3.30 p.m. ESPN, North Texas, 6-6, six and six, takes on Miami of Ohio, 6-6. Six and six. It's the Frisco Football Classic. Oi. <laughs> Frisco Football Classic. It's in Frisco, Texas. That's why it's – at least it's the name of a location and not the Toyota Bowl or something. It's in Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Uh, Miami of Ohio is a three-point favorite. Um, I just don't touch, I don't trust Miami of Ohio. I, I, I've got North Texas winning that game. Uh, so I've got, I'm picking North Texas, not just to cover the spread, but straight up 7 PM, uh, on ESPN UCF, uh, is playing Florida. Uh, Emory Jones just announced that he's going to the transfer portal. I'm not sure if he's doing that before or after the game. I think Florida has too much talent, but again, I just, you know, with the coaching change and everything, are they motivated to be there? Uh, it's, it, this is the union home mortgage Gasparilla bowl, by the way, I'm going to pick UCF based on the fact that I don't think Florida is going to want to be there. And I saw what happened last year. It, and it's a coaching change. I, I, I don't know who's coaching the bowl game, but I just don't think that's, that's a good combination. 
I think UCF will at least cover. Um, I don't think it'll be an easy win for Florida if they do win. Um, Friday, Christmas Eve, December 24th, you have Memphis 6-6 six and six against Hawaii 6-7 and seven in the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, Memphis is a seven-point favorite. I'm going to go with Hawaii to cover mostly because it's, it's, you know, that's a tough time change. Memphis is probably going to feel more like vacation. You know, you're going to Hawaii for that game. So I, I think Hawaii at least covers in that game. I wouldn't be surprised if they win outright. Um, neither of those teams are particularly good. No offense to, to those teams, but um, I, I like Hawaii as the home team to get it done. And then Christmas day uh, is Georgia state seven and five versus ball state six and six in the tax act camellia bowl, Georgia state's a four and a half point favorite. I think Georgia state covers, I think they cover pretty easily. Um, I think they have the better running game and I think they, have the, they just have more talent on that team. So those are my picks for up to Christmas day. I will, pick the rest of these games uh next week a- after christmas after christmas i will uh have a podcast come out probably on uh monday december 27th that morning so you can catch it before the first game that day which is western michigan nevada in the quick lane bowl uh, and then the military bowl after that so those are my bowl picks let me take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about a few more things Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Uh, real quick, I just want to talk about the Coach of the Year. I believe it was the AP Coach of the Year award went to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. He, he does deserve, I think, a lot of credit. They got it wrong, per usual. And here's why they got it wrong. They got it wrong because no one expected Michigan to do this this year. Right. Like it was unexpected that that Michigan got to the playoff and whatnot. But the whole reason why it was unexpected was because Michigan underachieved the year before. Right. They were two and four. They canceled on their rival, which I won't get into whether it was legit or not legit. I do think it was legit. I think they had a COVID outbreak. Um so, you know, legit, a legit reasoning why they had to cancel those games, but they're still two and four. They had transfers and everything. So it didn't look good, but the reality is Michigan was ranked at the beginning of the year last year. Everybody thought they were going to compete for the East with Ohio state. And that was all because of recruiting and, and coaching stability and whatnot. And then everything went sideways. Don Brown got fired. And so, okay, like what's, what's going to happen. And what happened is Michigan 
actually played up to their talent. And I think that's important because Jim Harbaugh and Michigan should have been coming into this season with expectations that they would go nine and three, 10 and two, 11 and one, but they didn't because they went two and four the year before. So everybody's like kind of out on Michigan similar. Like a lot of people were out on Penn state early on. And I was like, I don't think you should be out on a Penn state because of this, this, and this. Um, now that's not to take away from Jim Harbaugh because I thought Jim Harbaugh did a, a phenomenal job. Like to get a win over Ohio state is huge considering Ohio state's recruiting talent um, to, to get to the playoff is a big, big deal for that program. And while I, I don't think they'll, I don't spoiler alert. I don't think they beat Georgia. The fact that they're there is a big deal. And it's, it's a big turning point for that program right now. So all that to say, Mel Tucker is the coach of the year because what he did was it was taking a JV high school team and made them into a playoff contender. And I know that they, they ultimately didn't make the playoff. They ultimately were exposed by Ohio state, Michigan state went 10 and two against a pretty hard schedule. You know, they, they, they played Miami in the non-conference. They played a pretty decent Western Kentucky team in the non-conference. Um, they beat Michigan. They beat their rival. Their only two losses were to Ohio State and Purdue. Two teams that are, you know, one is obviously a top 10 team. The other one is a borderline top 25 team in the Boilermakers. Um, and no one had them better than maybe fifth or sixth in the Big Ten East. Like I had them winless in the Big Ten. Most people had them not winning more than one or two games in the Big Ten. Like people were wondering if they were going to be on par with Rutgers. And, I, and Rutgers had a pretty decent season this year for them. But they went 10-2 and two with a roster that was depleted. I mean, you look at where Mark D'Antonio left that program. It was, it was in shambles. And, and quite honestly, we were surprised a year ago that they went, I think, 2-5 and five last year. And we're like, they're going to be really bad again this year because they haven't recruited well. You know, there's been a lot of transfers. The, co the coaching stability we're, we're a little confused by. And yet they, they reel off a 10-2 and two season because they got a guy. And listen, Kenneth Walker is a stud. Nobody thought Kenneth Walker was going to do what he did. Right? He transferred in as a, uh, not a secondary back, but he was – he, he was sharing time in the backfield at Wake Forest. And no offense to Wake Forest, but like it's not like he was coming from Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or a big-time program. He was coming from Wake Forest. And he was sixth in the Heisman. They had one of the better receiving cores in the country. And you hadn't heard of most of those guys. I mean, what Mel Tucker did was he took a team that had no momentum and no real talent. And I don't mean that mean, meanly. I mean, he's developed the talent. But no, no real 
momentum, no real pizzazz or prestige. And he made them into a 10-win team. He got them all the way up to number three in the playoff rankings. Like, that, that is absurd. And so I, I get what Jim Harbaugh did coming off of the COVID year last year is really, really good. And I think in any other year, I'd be like, absolutely, coach of the year. Um, but I, I just don't think – I don't think people understand – the lengths to which Mel Tucker brought Michigan state this year. And the fact that they, they beat Michigan, they went 10 and two, they beat Penn state, despite the fact that like half their team was affected by the flu. I mean, that that's a, a really, really good year. Their, their talent is not great. And yet they still went 10 and two. I, I just don't know how you can't, how you, give the award to anyone other than Mel Tucker based on what he's done. Right. I think they, I, I often am critical of giving the award to a, a coach just because, well, their team was bad last year, you know? So, you know, I, I've joked over the years that, you know, Kirk Ferentz has more big 10 coach of the years, but uh, uh, big 10 coach of the year awards that are undeserved. Not because Kirk, Kirk Ferentz is a good coach, but it's like, well, why did he win coach of the year? Well, he went nine and three and he's at, he's at Iowa. But this one, this one's different. All right. Because Michigan state was legitimately in a tailspin and he made them a playoff team, a playoff caliber team, not in the sense of, you know, I, I think if they got to the playoff, they'd get their blows, their, their doors blown off. But he made them into a team that was worthy of playoff consideration late into the season. He has a, he had a Heisman candidate on his team. Like that I think needs to be considered. And as much as I, as I think Jim Harbaugh, I think he's deserving of the award. I don't think people understand just how ridiculously hard it was for, for what Mel Tucker did. He took a team that a lot of people thought would be a the 14th best team in the Big Ten. And he elevated them to one of the top three teams. And he has them in a New Year's Six game. Like, I think that's just incredible. So good on Mel Tucker. I still think he should be the, the, the National Coach of the Year. Congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. That's not a shot at him. I just think I don't know how you can give it to anyone other than Mel Tucker. Um, last but not least, I, I want to talk about signing day. I'll probably talk more about some of the implications here at a future podcast, particularly with NIL, but I want to, I, I just want to run down what happened, uh, in terms of the big 10 and nationally Ohio state was fourth. They, uh, they took the crown of, as the big 10 champ in recruiting, both in terms of the score, according to two, four, seven sports, but also their average, uh, recruit ranking. And in fact, I believe they were third overall in average recruit ranking behind only Texas A&M and Alabama. But uh, Ohio State did not have a great day. Um, they lost uh, one of their top recruits to Texas, uh, Terrence Brooks. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But they did finish fourth. There is another signing day. So this is not, it's not over. 
Um, Penn State was sixth. I think they had a, a pretty good recruiting class as well. Uh, had a good average ra- uh, ranking. Uh, the way that they do it, each each uh, each player can average uh, a perfect. I think the best score is a perfect one, and so then the 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 average rating is is a percentage. So their average recruit ranking is ninety point eighty seven percent. Um, for reference, Ohio State's is 94.04. To, uh, Alabama's is the highest average. It was 95.17. So Penn State has, has a good, a, a pretty good average. Um, they're ranked sixth. Michigan comes in at third. They're at ninth. Their average recruit ranking is 89.71. And then you have to go all the way down to 20th to find the uh, fourth best program. It's Indiana. Indiana had a really good recruiting class, uh, especially for them. They, they actually flipped a couple guys from Ohio state and from other programs. So good for the Hoosiers, good for Tom Allen, especially coming off a bad season. Uh, a really good recruiting class cures a lot of ills. Um, so Indiana at 20th, Michigan state 21st, Iowa at 26th. Um, so they are sixth in the Big Ten. Rutgers seventh at 27. Good for Rutgers. Maryland 28th, uh, eighth in the conference. And then everybody else finishes in the top 50 except for one program, which is not a shock to me. I just think it's hilarious. It is Nebraska at 58. Fire Scott Frost. I don't get it. I just don't understand it. I'm not going to, I won't rant about firing Scott Frost again. Um, But here's, here's the, here's my concern. So Ohio state had the best recruiting class out of the big 10. And honestly, some really good recruiting classes considering where teams are, you know, Rutgers had a really good recruiting class. Maryland had a good recruiting class for them. Iowa had a really good recruiting class for them. So good, good for them. Here's my, my concern though. In this recruiting cycle, you had less national top 100 guys going to Ohio State, to Penn State, to Michigan. And you have more going to teams like Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Texas. And, and here's the concern. More of those national top 100 guys are going, are, are staying home in Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Texas. That is a concern because I think the reason why the Big Ten has been in the national conversation more over the past several years has been because of the the fact that Texas was down, USC was down, and so you had a lot of Texas guys, California guys, Florida guys going elsewhere because Ohio State was making playoff runs. Penn state was starting to make some noise. Um, You know, obviously Oklahoma was making some noise, Clemson making some noise. Well, Clemson's falling apart. We'll talk more about that. uh, Probably at a future time, Clemson's falling apart uh, with their coaching staff being kind of imploding, but Ohio state did not have a lot of national guys 
this year. And the one guy that flipped Texas, uh, Terrence Brooks, he's from Texas and he flipped to Texas. And so something to watch over the next, especially the, the, the second signing day, but also over the next couple of years is do we start to see more of these national top 100 prospects that come out of Texas and Georgia and USC uh, or California that come out of California, Texas, and Florida, do they start to stay home with some of their better coaching hires, Billy Napier at Florida, Lincoln Riley at USC, uh, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Do we start to see more of that? And then combined with NIL, where a, a lot of these boosters in the South are able to kind of doctor up these deals that right now are legal. Do we see the big 10 start to fade, which I wouldn't be surprised um, if they take a dip as they try to, to figure out how to use NIL to their advantage. Um, there's been a lot of shadiness with the NIL. There's been a lot of talk with the Terrence Brooks flip uh, from Ohio state to Texas, that there was a lot of money involved, um, which is right now legal because NIL is so ambiguous and it all comes back to the NCAA, not regulating this. And so there are certain States and certain conferences that know how this works and they are taking every single bit of advantage that they can to bring in recruits, whereas other, other schools and other conferences, conferences like the Big Ten, they've always kind of taken the high road. I'm not saying they, they have been legal. Um, obviously, I think there's probably shading this at every institution. But, you know, Ryan Day came out and said, we're not going to do what other, other schools are doing. And I think the Big Ten might get lost in the shuffle in the next few years with recruiting. And so don't be surprised. I, it won't hit next year because there, there's been some really good recruiting classes in some of the Big Ten schools. But don't be surprised if in 2023, 2024, 2025, you start to see the Big Ten be outside the playoff discussion more because I don't think they're going to have the type of talent maybe that they were accustomed to getting back you know, back in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2021. So that's just, that's, that's my gut feeling. I want to talk more about NIL, which will probably just turn into another rant against the NCAA because the NCAA stinks, but just, this was not a great day for the top of the big 10. And, and the, the main thing I would say is that you've got Texas A&M, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, all clearly finishing ahead of everybody else. But then I think Texas coming is, is starting to make a charge. Um, they're not going to be in the Big 12 for much longer. But I, I just think we're going to see a lot of the top talent stay home. And the school that I, I think you really have to watch out for in that as well is, is USC which surprisingly right now, USC does not have a great recruiting class, but I, I think that's probably going to change just with Lincoln Riley being there. I think Lincoln Riley is going um, to raid the transfer portal. So Something that is interesting, USC only has six commits. 
but I, I would imagine that Lincoln Riley is going to change that in a hurry. So that's it for the big 10 football talk podcast. Thanks for listening again. Make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast, follow us on Instagram and, and uh, watch out for the branded stuff on Facebook and Twitter. Again, I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Thanks for listening. God bless.